Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Distraction Pieces podcast number 15 with Mr. Stuart Lee. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you very much for tuning in and for downloading. Um, yeah, I was very excited about this week's guest. Stuart Lee is it's actually the most nervous I've been um, before a podcast. I'm hoping he, did, he didn't notice or know that. Um, but yeah, I'm a, a massive Stuart Lee fan, so... I was incredibly excited to get to sit down and chat with him. And I think we had a really good chat. Um, So I'm going to let you listen to that right after we address the sponsors of this week's show. This week's show, we only have one sponsor. It's Speech Development Records. That's my record label. Um, Head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and you can buy T-shirts, jumpers, mugs, CDs, DVDs, all sorts of stuff. And all of that helps support the label which helps support the podcast um so that's nice and simple for you this week another way that you can support the podcast is by subscribing it genuinely does make a difference um a lot of people don't realize so i'll quickly explain how it makes a difference if you subscribe on acast or on itunes or on any of these places at distractionpiecespodcast.com it means that on the day of release we get a load of downloads at once and that puts us higher in the chart which then spreads us out to more people it also gives us good statistics so um on the weeks that we have sponsors in that aren't just my label um it helps to pay for for you to all hear this for free we want this podcast to be free to you i would rather a company pays for you to listen to this for free than you pay to listen to it so that's kind of how we work it so if you can subscribe that'd be great i'll talk more at the end about next week's guest and subscribing and all that um but for now this is the distraction pieces podcast with Stuart lee this piece of fiction is the intro to distraction this piece of fiction is the intro to distraction this piece of fiction is the intro to distraction that's it that's it we've started that's literally how it begins right. hello i'm here with St- St- stuart lee thank you for coming in Thanks on this me. on this horrible rainy day right. do you enjoy the journey in yeah i did i mean it's it's uh the kids started back at school today you relieved so or sad to... i'm sad because I, I, I they're only little and, it, and they when they're not in school they sort of flourish as people in a slightly different yeah. way i'm not saying it's better or worse but they learn lots of other things and you get in a groove with them but then on the other hand it's nice to be able to go and get a coffee and read a newspaper yeah seem, like, <laughs> yeah. really simple things seem amazing it's such a it? huge a difference i mean i'm not a parent but um i'm a, a, a godfather and i've yeah. I visit my goddaughter a lot, and it's it was one of the things that it sounds stupid, but it hadn't occurred to me how yeah. much it's just constant because oh, yeah. you just you, you never actually that's the thing that never occurred. It's like our oh, kids are fun, you don't think no, that's that's constant yeah. from then until well, I remember when the little one then. was about six months old, and we uh we were me and my wife's a comic as well, and we were both working in the fringe that year in Edinburgh 2007, yeah. And my niece came up because we couldn't do it without help. Yeah, yeah. And we never had help before, but we did get it in, in August. And uh, she she had him one morning, and we we walked out to go and do our tech runs for the shows. Yeah. Together about half eight in the morning, and got a coffee. And it was the first time we hadn't 
you know, one of us hadn't had the had yeah. the, had the little baby with us, and it seemed like being on some legal high. You yeah, know? So yeah, the, yeah. This kind of silence and the uh, it was like, and everything seemed incredibly vivid. Yeah, I can and then about that. three months after that, I was uh, I started touring again, and I did a gig in Colchester. I remember, and I was the first. I woke up in the morning at about eight o'clock rather than six o'clock, and I'd slept through because I wasn't woken up by a baby, and I felt I felt like I'd been to a health farm. It's really amazing. Yeah. I know it's sort of boring parent <laughs> stuff, but you can't really communicate this to people until they until uh, they've actually yeah. experienced and it. The sort of the weird thing about doing gigs now is if it's a late one, like ten o'clock. You know that feels like two in the morning now. You yeah. feel you feel you have that kind of hysterical state that you used to get if you did late in live yeah. in Edinburgh at, at two in the morning. I get that at about nine o'clock now. Are you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you capable of sleeping in now after these things, or are you nah, in that mode of sort of gone? The kids, I can't really, even if the kids aren't there, yeah, you I just kind wake of up, wake up, yeah, and, wake up and get on with something, and then you sort of you never quite you never quite. Uh, Functioning in the way that you never you quite did. actually awake. You never quite actually awake in the way that you were. You know, when you were before you had kids, you never like quite. Yeah. You never quite get back to normal. Yes. Yeah. No, I can imagine. Well, but, you know, it's good. You sort of use it for creative things as well. Yeah. Sort of changes you a bit. So I'd imagine it, your 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 or not your style of comedy, but what you write about changes hugely when. Your life changes yeah. in such a manner. Yeah, um, well, you know, I mean, lots of people get really good ideas from things that happen. I mean, I don't know if you know Phil Nickel, but yeah. Phil Nickel won Phil Nickel won the Perrier Award about five, ten years back with a show that was basically a description of an amazing night out that he had. Yeah. And he had yeah. a lot of shows like that of Phil. Yeah. And a lot of people do that are about something <laughs> that happens to them and you, yeah. you kind of feel like they're... I think audience members feel like they're having the life you might have had if you if you woke up in New Zealand at three o'clock in the morning and didn't know, you know, sure. that kind of... Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So people get... But you don't really have those kind of... Uh, you don't have those sort of adventures when you're a parent. And so... But also, you don't want to be one of those people doing, you know, mum and dad stuff. This yeah. is about as interesting as it is when someone else shows you their baby photos, I think. Yeah. I love, you have to find a way around it. I love it in... Have, have you seen the um, the film The Guard? No. Um, Irish there's, one, there's yeah, yeah. A, a great... Yeah. bit in that where someone's about to sh- show him their baby photo and he goes no 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 I'm good and he's like unless he's like all babies look the same except really <laughs> ugly ones yeah. so unless you're about to show me a picture of a really ugly baby yeah. I don't want to see it and that's kind of that's, that's perfect yeah, it is it's like kind of, that yeah <laughs> um, so I'm, I've, I've been a, f- a fan for a long time but it, you know like any that's very kind of you I didn't know yeah, <laughs> but, but but, but but like any hack journalist, I've I've gone on Wikipedia to kind of prepare for this. Oh yeah, and something struck me really. It felt really important that on 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 Wikipedia it's divided up and it has a known for section and it had oh, right. had 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 a, f- a fist of fun. Yeah, a Richard not Judy, uh, the Jerry Springer um, opera, opera, yeah, yeah, um, and a comedy vehicle. And yeah. it occurred to me that what essentially you're really known for isn't a tangible thing that they can tag on Wikipedia. Because in, in, my, in my mind, I say all those are important points in your career. But yeah, for yeah. me, what you're known for is is stand-up. It yeah. shows night after night and year after year. Yeah, well, I mean, I... I, and it, I just found yeah. it fascinating that that's not something... It's weird. It's rare that there's something that they can't just tag to and link to because it's... can't say in general for being a consistent comedian. Yeah, it's not well, it was not really documented. I mean, that's the weird thing. I mean, uh, I did do two telly shows in the mid-90s with Richard Herring and yeah. his double act. But all through the 90s, well, from 1989 onwards, I was working as a stand-up 
you know, 200 nights a year yeah. on um, the London club circuit. In fact, weirdly, just underneath this building is where the comedy store was when I first oh, came wow. to London. That was its second location, and it's moved to the other. And I remember doing tryout spots there and everything. So it's always funny, this this corner of Leicester Square, where we are now, yeah. makes me feel a bit sick and terrified yeah, always of yeah. being a 20, 21-year-old and trying to do tryouts there. But um, It's weird how, despite the moving, it's always had a comedy scene yeah. an area in Leicester Square yeah, it's, it's, it's odd it. that's kind of a it, it, yeah it can't escape yeah, but I suppose the thing about stand up in the 90s is you know it's hard to believe now but first of all there wasn't YouTube yeah. secondly not everyone had a camera phone yeah. um, or or um, equipment to edit their own film with themselves on a laptop yeah yeah sure um, and um, so it wasn't really documented and I mean I did I did solo shows in Edinburgh in 94 96 98 99 and 2000 and I did little tours of them around art centres and stuff. I haven't even got audios of them. Yeah. It didn't really occur to anyone. You know, it, yeah. we didn't really. No one really thought that the distribution networks would ever exist to make it worth doing that, whether free or commercial. Because yeah. yeah. you know, um, and the te- although the technology would be cheap enough to spur- burn CDRs yeah. or yeah, exactly. stream things, or and um, also. I don't... It's, it's rather like the uh, early days of uh, rock and roll or all that old sort of 70s reggae that's now collector's items. You know, no-one... It was just junk, you know. Yeah. It was just more... We didn't really think anyone would be interested, so yeah. it never really occurred to anyone to... Yeah, it's on Wikipedia when it says, you know, known for these. Yeah. They're the things that have survived. That happen to get recorded. To get recorded I, think, yeah. I think comedy is an almost unique art form in that sense that um, it's something that... I mean, I, I noticed it the first year I did... The Fringe. I've only done The Fringe once, and it was in 2013, and I loved it. And I was blown away by a lot of shows, and it was that realisation that the vast majority of those shows aren't going to turn into a DVD and aren't going to turn into something that's distributed. They're not even going to turn into a two-night run in a 150-seater theatre. And that's it. And the exact thing there is, next year, there'll be a completely new show. So that show that I saw that was absolutely amazing only existed in that moment. And that's that's, that's, that's unique to comedy. With music, it's kind of stuff will be repeated. And, you know, you'll play a lot of the same songs over time. But um, even... even, I, I know you're a big... A, a, a jazz fan yeah. even a lot of the yeah. the more u- u- unique moments of jazz would be they not that they'd be repeated you but throw those you'd riff over the same again. bits again yeah, and you'd yeah. kind of go in the same you'd get that same feeling from it and, and, and it's really wonderful to hear you say that about the Edinburgh Fringe because it's not just comedy it's like 700 comedy shows and 1400 other shows yeah. of theatre and things but that's what I think about it every year when I was a little kid my mum used to read me a book called The Folk of the Faraway Tree by Enie Blyton yeah. and then people would climb up this tree and every week a different cloud would be at the top of it yeah. and in that cloud there was a whole world Yeah. then that cloud would blow away and another cloud would come with yeah. an entirely different world yeah. in it and, I, and you could never see that world again it would yeah. be gone yeah. and like, that is what the fringe is I mean you, you can't explain to people it really so is. when you read a, a, a journalist doing an overview of it have they seen if they did they see a show a day 30 shows did they see two shows a day 60 shows even if they saw 100 it's not even 1% of yeah. what was on yeah. so you can That's never crazy, get to right? the bottom of it and to know that those things will pass and not come back I think is incredibly thrilling in a world where we live now which is full of everything's documented and cross-platformed and multi-format yeah, and, yeah. and the idea that things will be gone it makes is, it all that know. more va- valuable oh, yeah. the it's, thing that really struck me was there was a show last year there's a guy called uh, uh, Rob Alton and I went right, to see right. his show The Sky Show and it was in the Free Fringe and I chose to go and see it again and that 
in a way just blew my mind because there's there's so yeah. many options of things yeah. to see so yeah. it made it all the more valuable rather than if it's a dvd and you you watch it a million times yeah. it doesn't mean anything it was that thing of right i could be seeing hundreds of other things yeah. but i got such a beautiful feeling from that experience i mm. want to go and experience I, it again yeah i've done that with two shows in edinburgh over the years one was uh um the, the show will adamsdale won a period with jackson's way yeah which had a lot of improvisation in it and yeah. was, and another one was a russian sort of uh, theatre clown kind of thing, Derivo, right. the name of the group, and they did a, a, a sort of a version of Dante's Inferno, right? Oh, and, wow. and, you, and it was in a circus top. And where you sat, yeah. depended, you'd see a different show. You oh, know, amazing. And, and, and they would come in and do stuff with people in the audience. And, and, I, and I went once, and then I went again. And then I thought, this is never going to come to Britain again. Yeah. And it's the most amazing... And I kept sort of going... Because I couldn't stand the thought that it was going to be lost, yeah, you know, yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I couldn't I, quite process it. I very much know. the same. Have you ever seen S- S- Slava Snow Show? Yeah. Um, well, he I've, trained Derivo. Yeah, he I mean, was their guru that trained them up. Yeah, it's just so, amazing. Yeah. I've, I've been to that five times now because it's that yeah. exact same thing of if I yeah. get a chance and it's over it's that fear particularly as last time I went he clearly has an understudy that's taking more of the lead because right. he's getting older, he's getting older and yeah. it's that panic now of yeah. I love that show but there's no. You've not got that option again. Yeah. So it's, that kind it's of, filmed. It's not the same thing. It's no, you know? not at all. Particularly with things like that. I think. Yeah. I think that's a great thing as well that people don't understand. And I'd love to see this at Derivo because Slava was the first guy that I learned about what clowning is and, yeah. that, and how it was originally an art form that was on a par with poetry yeah, and theatre yeah, and everything yeah. else. It wasn't just for kids and yeah. getting as many people well, into the car why as I possible. Think, I know you have a similar thing, but it's like if you if you can do something. In a live show that will only happen that time. Yeah, yeah. It's almost worth sabotaging it a bit and making it not quite as good as it might otherwise have been. Yeah. Just to create something that is unique that to that moment. And I, I try and build these things in now. Uh, it's harder because I, I I'm normally writing half hours or two hour shows that have got some kind of narrative through line. And you, you can't quite smash it to bits because you've yeah. got to get all the toys back in the box at yeah, the end. Yeah, you know? yeah, completely. But, but if you can make a thing happen, not not just some bit of banter going, hey, where are you from? I remember when I had my first drink. But yeah. if you can make some <laughs> feeling happen or some thing that involved an individual and then, you know, just to remind people that live things are really live. It's, and, it's, and, you know, I mean, I went to I went to see The Snowman at Christmas with my kids, weirdly, yeah. which isn't a patch on Slava Snow Show. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it was all right. But obviously, when the snowman starts flying, yeah. that is really great. Yeah, you're not really yeah, expecting yeah, of course. It. And the snowman flies up in the air. And then some mum who'd been yakking all the way through behind me was full of horrible middle-class parents. Yeah. <laughs> she got a camera phone out and to film it, to film the flying snowman. Yeah. And then the security guard came and said, you can't film. And that, that was that was the big moment of that show. You know, that was the moment that it had built towards where all the little kids go, oh, he's flown. Yeah. And it was gone, right? Because I ended up being in the middle of this dispute. Just between, hearing this argument. Yeah, and like, what, why was she doing that? Like, why, why did she want to sort of do that at that moment? Why couldn't she... It's like we've got a culture of people to sort of see things through a little lens to realise that they're really happening and we've got to get back to this, the, the primacy of a live experience isn't yeah. the same as all that stuff. Completely. You know? I mean, I think it's genuinely a thing of a, a weird thing in society of the need um, for acknowledgement of anything you've done. So with Facebook, yeah. with checking into places just yeah. to say you went in a building. But I think that's the same thing. I Years ago when I was a, a, a teenager or yeah, or late teens. I'd I'd been doing photography for a while, and I went on holiday with 
my dad and his girlfriend and she couldn't understand that I didn't take any photos and I was like well I love photography but I don't do it as proof that I've been somewhere. I don't need yeah. a, a, a whole reel of photos to say, yeah. look, I went, I'll tell my friends that I saw this amazing thing. I yeah. don't need to prove it. They'll, they'll hopefully t- take me on my word and not go, nah, you didn't go to Turkey. Uh, <laughs> so I, I went know, to Turkey. It's easy to yeah. go to Turkey. Well, we seem to end up talking about this same thing and I'm, it's probably, if there's anyone ever listens to me, talk about, oh, not that again. But <laughs> I went to make a documentary for Radio 4 about Native American clowning, right, in New yeah. Mexico. Oh, wow. And one of the things that was brilliant about this one thing we did get to go to, normally they don't let gringos in, you yeah. know, but there was this one weekend thing in Taos where the Tewa Indians let, you can go in and see the clown ritual. It's yeah. quite a big thing. They take over the whole village and whatever. But anyway, there's a no photography rule. There's no, you can't take, as you go into the reservation, they search you for phones, cameras, recording devices. Because 100 years ago, when the first, you know, cameras were filming these events, it was decided they were obscene and they all got closed down because yeah. of the evidence existed for Washington to say, we can't have them doing all this right, crazy wow. stuff. So what was brilliant about that was... Amazing stuff was happening, like huge spectacles. And for the first, this is 10 years ago, but the first time in about a decade, I wasn't looking through a sort of forest of raised hands. Yeah. And you, and what I tried to do was, I, I, I remember the whole thing really vividly. I remember the sky being incredibly blue and the colours wow. and smells and tastes. And I think it's partly because subconsciously my brain was saying to me, there's no other record of this. Yeah, and no one's even ever going to yeah. film this. It's not allowed, right? Yeah. So you've got to. You've got to really take it. this and remember it. That's I beautiful. Feel like I can. I still smoke. Then I feel like I can talk to you now. I can feel like how hard it was to breathe as a smoker yeah. at that altitude in hot weather, for example. You know, I feel yeah. like can. It's really vivid in a way that it wouldn't be if you were. Um, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, again, I guess that's a way that, in essence, and not to. To be over dramatic, but we're going to gradually evolve to not record that kind of yeah, thing because we're not going to need to because yeah. it's not a, necess- a necessity anymore. It's all so easy to just document things. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll lose that ability to really recollect yeah. these full. I said remembering how how the how the breathing felt, how the the sky was, and all that. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I, just, I found it a lot with this year. I love Glastonbury, but this year was the first year that it felt to me that it was more of a TV show that happened to have people there right. than a festival. And, yeah. and me and Dan played on on, on on Billy Bragg's stage. It was amazing for me because I'm a big Billy Bragg fan and it was just a, a real amazing moment. I did a post about it and I was stunned at the amount of people said, oh, where can I listen to this? Oh, where can I view this? It's like, well, you can't because you weren't there. Yeah, you, yeah. You ha- and it seems <laughs> alien. It's like, you, it seems alien for people to think that something they weren't there, they can't <laughs> now just there. access. It's yeah, like, you need to come out to it. And I had, yeah. I had the same with my f- a, a film night. We do a discussion afterwards of my film night and people said, oh, could you podcast? It's like, I could, but I don't want to because yeah. I like the fact that, I mean, we sometimes get seven or eight people turn out, mm. but it's beautiful because we have a nice discussion. Like it's sometimes 50 or 60, but still it's a yeah. small amount. And there's so few things now in the world that exist only in that moment. And that's kind of a beautiful thing, I think, that needs to be preserved. Yeah. Um, I haven't done Glastonbury for... Well, again, it keeps going around in circles, this conversation, but I haven't done it since we had kids, right? Yeah. Just because the organisation of it's a bit difficult. Yeah, but, I mean, I did it most huge, years from... It's, it's the hardest festival to do. They children. make it hard for you yeah. to do in general, so yeah. I can't even imagine it with children. No, I mean, I did it from 89 to about 2005, mm. you know, um, 80... Yeah, 89, yeah. And but but um, and I, and I did see... I saw 
the dying days of when they would still let the convoy in free. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And, it, and, it and it was still ostensibly for CND and whatever, yeah. you know. And I, and there, were, there was about 40,000 people there. What is it now? Like, three quarter of a million or yeah, something. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's and, crazy. And, and, um, uh, and I, I kind of felt... The last one went, I thought, I'm not going to go anymore. It's it's changed. But it things do change in in yeah. a quarter of a century, and you yeah. change as well, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it still good? It's still great. As I said, I, I, I think they... they uh, uh, Where I said it's the hardest to do, I mean... Literally, they make it very hard now. Yeah. It's very, it's not. It, I love it, but it's that weird thing of if you're playing and you've got kit or anything, you can't drive off at a certain time or draw, or move, and just yeah. it, it becomes such effort. But for me, every time I've done it, it's it's, it's been worthwhile. Yeah. I've always been like, oh god, we've got to jump through hoops to get on here, and then but you get there, and it's still I still think it's an amazing. There's so many amazing others festival. now as well. I mean, that's the thing. It was sort of, there was only that, and yeah. the sorts of acts I used to see there. I can see in a more concentrated form at yeah. an All Tomorrow's Parties or something. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's so many options. Yeah. Um, it's the most cliched question of all to ask a comedian. How'd you come up with it? Um, but I think with you, it is something I'm fascinated about because right. of, as you touched upon, the, the intricacies of it. The fact that you will... The thing that's always blown me away the, the most is the way it, a joke or story will weave in and out for the whole point and... You know, it'll go off on these huge tangents and tales, and it's all, I don't know, it feels so, it feels that structure is so hugely important. So, well, you know, I mean, I, 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 uh, when I was younger, I used to walk around with a notebook, you know, yeah. 25 years ago, and if I saw something, I'd write it down, and I would end up with loads of little one liners and things. Yeah. Now, I don't really bother doing that. I, I sort of wait for one idea to sort of strike me. And hope it's good enough that you can imagine it spreading out, yeah. you know. And um, and I find it increasingly difficult to to do that. Although what happens now is suddenly a thing will come, and you know, oh yeah, that's it. Like in towards the end of November, when um, that MP had uh, tweeted that picture of the England flag, remember yeah. when she got in yeah, trouble yeah, for yeah. it? I, I sort of started thinking about that, and I I thought. And then, then um, I didn't have any ideas, but I, I knew there's something in it because I wanted to write about how you should be allowed to fly the England flag, but there was this sort of thing that you ought to. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily want to because I'm of an age, I'm a bit older than you, but I remember when it was a, a national front flag, really. Yeah. yeah you know, completely. and not not a. It wasn't a thing that even Pakistanis uh, had in the, in their news agents saying yeah. I like England football. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. no way you wouldn't have done that. It was yeah. like a, exclusively to do with the right, the far right, yeah, and people completely. had forgotten. So, um, and then I then I heard this really funny interview with Michael Gove that night on the Friday night in the car again by accident. Uh, where he, the interviewer suddenly said to him, have you ever flown an England flag out of your window? And he was saying people should, you know, and yeah. he said he couldn't remember and fudged it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, under what circumstances would I fly an England flag out of my window? And I went home and I started writing that idea. Yeah. And my wife was really annoyed with me because I was... I really, it's really unprofessional. I was really laughing as I wrote. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it took me... <laughs> 20 minutes to write it down and I looked at it I thought if I'm lucky this is a 
that could be a half hour bit yeah. right now done yeah. and i've run it i've done it on stage about four or five times now edited it a bit each time and it's come together and that bit that bit was hearing michael gove asked on radio 4 whether you'd ever front an england flag out of his window so it's such chance really yeah, it's and just, just and likewise this um bit in the third series of comedy vehicle that people liked about um you keep like trying to get fish to go back in the sea. Yeah, that came from again. I was just dropped my son off at school, and we were late, so I'd gone in the car and I put the Today program on, and Paul Nuttles was on from UKIP, and he just said this one really stupid thing to the Bulgarian ambassador. Just one sentence that was so yeah. funny that I kind of went home and looked looked that up, and yeah. then it, and again that piece was written in half an hour, and then, but then other things it takes months. You got you got one bit, and you. You keep trying it differently every night and you can never find how it all fits together. And I I still don't know. And it's the kind of thing you get asked to go and do talks at schools or colleges and things to the people that are on the creative writing course or doing yeah. a comedy course, whatever. <laughs> and they, they want some answer and I still don't know. There's, there's such a load of fluke involved. Yeah, just, completely. Just, it so happened that on both those occasions... I just turned the radio on, yeah. and someone said something idiotic. It'd be, it'd be so much, it'd be so much easier if you had a a, a process of here's how I hunt it down, here's how yeah. I find it. But it's not, I'm I'm the I'm the same on yeah. the school thing. I've had I numerous people will, come yeah. and ask me to do, but I was never taught spoken word or poetry or no. anything like that. So I've yeah. just kind of I've made it up as I go yeah, along, yeah. and that's not a good lesson. No. It doesn't feel just going in again. Ah, oh, just make it up. Just just well, that's something. the other thing is you know I mean. The other thing is learning as you go along, but I think that's might be a thing of the past. I mean, when I came to London in '89, I'd been a student, but I didn't have a student debt. I got a job, sort of. I got a job after a few months that I was paid for, not a lot, about 120 quid a week. But I got a job um, uh, doing like fact checking for a publisher right yeah but i was paid for that and it was flexible hours and my rent was i think it was 50 quid a week it might have been less wow. in a shared house now yeah. first of all a similar sort of person now would have a debt mm-hmm. that job would be an unpaid internship yeah and yet and yet and the, the 10 years that people always say it takes you to find your feet as a writer or whatever yeah has a 21 year old today got that 10 years yeah probably not no. unless they're of a social background where their family can bankroll them a bit or their dad's bought them a flat. Yeah. You know, and it's a it's a awkward truism because actually, you know, what why why people want a, a shortcut answer now, you can't really say to them, Well, go out in the world, you know, have some experiences, yeah. see how it all fits together, keep doing unpaid tryout spots yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. They haven't got that that window's closed, yeah. you know, and no, so you, completely it's difficult. I was, yeah. I was dis- discussing a, a similar thing with um, a Ben Goldacre at one of the shows uh, with a Robin over Christmas yeah, yeah. That, that you did a, a couple as well, and and he was saying exactly the same in the amount of volunteer work he does. He's he's about to move out. I'm not sure if he, he has already. I don't oh, know yeah, why I looked yeah. at my a watch because <laughs> if I know the exact date and he's time he's going, and he's left. Um, <laughs> but but he was saying the amount of of, of, of charity work and stuff he's a, yeah. a, 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 a ambassador of. He's having to cut down because he's moving out of London because he can't afford to be there and do all of yeah. that 
for free and that stuff shouldn't be paid he was adamant on that that he's not saying i want some money for doing these good things he's saying it's physically not possible particularly when you've got a family Mm. to 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 do that, to yeah. have that, 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 well, a lot that, of things come down to economics. Well, I'm, do, I'm doing all right now, but I've got a family, and so when someone says, "Will you do this? Would you write a film? Would you ever put your old double act back together?" and you say no, it's not even about artistic choices; just about the amount of time required to get that up to and running that, again. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny that thing about charities. I mean, you can't really, you can't necessarily extrapolate a truth from your own individual experience, but yeah. if you're in Robin Ince's crowd, yeah. And which you're in now, yeah. you end up having to do a lot of unpaid benefits. Yeah. It's sort <laughs> of, um, they kind of, the people that work for charities tend to like all the sorts of people he puts on. Yeah. So you yeah. do a lot of work for nothing. But chari- all the charity gigs 10 years ago used to be to make something or do something or get something happening. Now they tend to be trying to stop things being closed down. Right, it's really yeah. weird, like the shifts yeah. to save this, it's odd that it's stop save this. rather than used a create to be, or yeah, birth. Yeah, used to be do this. Yeah. You know, make this happen. It's sort of become like a holding pattern. You it's know? a weird change, isn't it? In, <laughs> yeah. the, it, in, in the reality of these things, I think yeah. it's also a worry that this is going to sound really odd now. But I think charity has become is becoming completely oversaturated because yeah. of the nature of every month. There's some kind of charity yeah, yeah. thing that your friend wants you to sponsor them for, and oh. it's a charity that doesn't mean anything personal to them. It's just because yeah. it's the trend at the moment. Yeah. And I think that that dilutes everything uh, well, you know. it's also because the government tried to pass the buck didn't they onto you know yeah. by uh, trying to say everyone's a stakeholder in society therefore we cut back the state yep. and yeah, you're yeah, supposed yeah, to yeah. you know build your own cancer ward you yeah. know what I mean well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of of, of, of disturbing but um, so can we talk about how you got into comedy how, or, or what made you decide to spend those 10 years you know <laughs> trying it out and learning your well your trade when, when I was you know when I was about 11, 12, I started really reading a lot and really liking, yeah. you know, and I wanted to be a writer and I liked sort of, I liked the kind of, I liked the literary end of science fiction, like Ray Bradbury and people like that. Yeah. And then when we started doing it in school, which is amazing to think now, you did, for O-Level, you know, you'd do Tom Stoppard and Beckett and things yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. What's going on? And Philip Larkin and things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then that, and I, I sort of wanted, thought I wanted to be a writer. I liked... TV, you know, comedy, yeah. like The Young Ones and Monty Python and stuff. But I didn't think I'd be uh, a performer. I wanted to try and write and maybe write comedy. Um, and again, it's hard to think, but if this was the early 80s and you didn't live in London, you wouldn't really be aware that there was a live stand-up scene because there was the old working men's club comic type thing yeah. and there was some sort of folk people like Billy Connolly who used to be folk singers but now did storytelling. Yeah. But there wasn't really... You know, you weren't really it's aware crazy of it. how, how London centric it is still yeah. now. Even yeah. that, as said, you kind of. But back then, I mean, it was not, there wasn't like a gig in Birmingham, a stand-up yeah. gig. And, but again, what used to happen then, and it's not unlike the sort of things Robin does. Oddly, is Billy Bragg, who you mentioned, yeah. used to do a particularly interesting tours when I was about thirteen, fourteen, where he'd have him on a band, uh, some like performance art. And a, and a comic, yeah. you know. And I saw a bill that was Billy Bragg, Hank Wangford, who's like a comedy country and western act, yeah. whose illegitimate son that he never knew about is now on the circuit, actually, weirdly. <laughs> I've forgotten his name. <laughs> That's but, amazing. Yeah, I know. And he, only, and he tried to find his dad recently, this guy. He's about 27. Yeah. And his dad turned out to be Hank Wangford. <laughs> anyway, I, um, 
That's probably Imagine out the surprise. There. Imagine the surprise as a comedian. To yeah, I know. Yeah, it's fun that you were actually the son of yeah. a comedian. Yeah, the Frank Chickens was on this Japanese sort of comedy performance art group. Wow. Phil Jupiter's. Yeah. You know, it was like, and Phil Jupiter's when he was about 17. Yeah. You know, Porky the Poet. Porky the Poet, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, but a lot of bands used to have. Uh, a lot of, in, immediately after punk, a lot of bands yeah. touring would bring one of these trendy alternative concerts with them. And I saw, um, I saw Peter Richardson from the comic strip opening for Dexys. Wow. Yeah, in wow. 1983, when I was 15, yeah. 14, 15. And he did this act of a Mexican bandit who came on and was sort of made, did very men like normal jokes, but was really yeah. menacing. Um, yeah. And I thought it was hilarious. Most people there didn't, to be fair. I thought it was really funny. And years later, I met someone who'd collaborated with him on that act. Peter Richards, yeah, and um, Peter Richards, who was a writer, and he said, oh, that's really funny, because Peter only did that act one night, it was opening for Dexys, oh, and it wow. went so badly, he never did it again, but I remember thinking, anyway, then the big, the big thing, I still, I still didn't think I wanted to be a stand-up, yeah. these seemed very, like, other, yeah, yeah. and the really big thing was in uh, 1984, seeing um, Ted Chippington open for The Fall, um, and I, I loved The Fall, and Ted Chippington seemed to have a similar sort of sensibility as a comic in that it was very repetitive and monotonous, quite threatening. <laughs> he didn't seem to care whether the audience liked it or not. Yeah. Um, it, he had a sort of rock and roll sensibility on some mm-hmm. level. Looked like a t- Bill Haley kind of Ted. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was... And he didn't seem to do... He wasn't like an entertainer. He didn't seem to be able to really perform. But no. he had an amazing presence. Yeah. And um, about half the audience were in hysterics, as was I. And the other half of the room just f- f- furious about it. And I, you know, a lot of people a bit older than me say, oh, I saw the Sex Pistols and I saw the Clash and it was this change my life thing. And I feel like that about yeah, Ted Chippington. It was like, wow. for me, that was the White Riot Tour. Or yeah. the, you know, it's sort <laughs> of, it was like uh, going, oh, yeah, right, so stand up. It just means you're like on stage behind a microphone. Yeah. You don't have to run around like Ben Elton or, no, or it shout. Have to be this or, huge you can thing. do whatever you want. Yeah. And then as soon as you realise that, as soon as you realise that, you know, you, you, you realise that in performance as well, that you get, as long as you're in the space, in fact, yeah. you can walk off stage as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. As long as you, yeah. you can do it from behind a curtain. Yeah. You know, but it sort of doesn't really. And Ted, yeah. for all his strengths or weaknesses, that was this moment where I thought, yeah, I absolutely want to do that. And when I, when I, Listen back to me, tapes of me. At, I got a, found a tape of me at 20 yeah. doing stand-up when I was a student, and it's so in the shadow of him, yeah. you know. Um, but not, not within a few years it wasn't, but, you know, really... It started him, off, that, yeah. that was and, the clear influence. Yeah, and then at the Fringe, I went to the Fringe in 87, three years later, and I saw one bill. I mean, again, there was only about 20 comedy shows on then. Right. You know, but I saw one bill, which was Arthur Smith... Uh, introducing Sadovitz. Yeah. Jerry Sadovitz, who, you know, there's no, again, there's no documentation of Sadovitz anywhere, but he's worth no. seeing. It's, it's, it's the bizarre, he's one of the, 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 a unique ones that never seems to have had that show or that, obviously yeah. because of the nature of, it's, yeah, yeah. it's very hard to clear a lot of what he says, I'd imagine, but it still, it seems to have remained in yeah. that moment and only in that moment. It. Yeah. And it can't be translated into no. a report. Uh, sad of it's uh, Norman Lovett, who was very sort of slow yeah. and dry, and Arnold Brown, who was very sort of slow and dry. And I really, and, you know, really, I was lucky again, that was the first proper bill that I saw. Yeah. 
because I thought all those people they were like things that I could do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it if I'd seen if I'd seen big personalities running around and talking about sport and bantering with the audience, yeah. I probably would have thought, oh, it's not, you know, I can't, for me. I can't go but I was there. just really lucky that I saw... Because they're not by any means typical, those people. They're the yeah. weirdos, you know. So I was really lucky that all the first people I saw were uh, people who gave me the impression you didn't need to be like a showbiz that's, personality. That's such a, I think that is a, a unique and, and rare treat because it's easy... I mean, even with music... Um, it's easy to go and see there'll be a long list of amazing live shows you've yeah. seen, but those ones that make you go, that's amazing, but also I feel in some way I could do something similar. Yeah. Like, that's achievable. And that's well, it's the, the age that it lands in your ones. brain as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when yeah, you are vulnerable. And what were you, when you were 14, 15, yeah. what were you vulnerable to? You yeah. know, what did you see? Yeah, that, exactly. I, I went, I was going to a load of live shows and gigs yeah. and saw the Beastie Boys and people like that yeah. and went that, that's that's not that's not holding a guitar that's that's yeah. doable this yeah. is amazing but yeah. that's 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 achievable and yeah. that was the thing that kind of of dragged me in in that yeah. way I mean I think I, I sort of I, I get annoyed when um when when I'm touring sometimes theatres put adults only yeah. and I sort of think well why I mean I don't really swear and even if I do because I I think I kind of think a 13-year-old would get it, yeah. you know, and I'd yeah. really, you know, what, why can't they come and see it? <laughs> sort of, yeah. you know, I don't know, and I hate it when they do that as well, because adults only now tends to mean, it doesn't mean adult, like, it means uh, Jim Davidson, doesn't it, or something, it yeah, doesn't yeah, really mean, yeah, like, yeah, it's for yeah, adults, yeah, it sort yeah, of means, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think... It implies it's going to be blue when yeah. <laughs> it again, again, I hate, hate sounding like some old fart, but you can't help it, but, you know, when I was... In my teens, Radio One, which was the nation's youth station, yeah. um, had quite a lot of strange arts programming on it, and the people yeah. Peel would have on sessions. You know, he had Eric Bogosian, American performance artist. He had Ted Chippington. He had Ivor Cutler. He had sort of poets and things yeah. like that. And then, so the, and you know, in the early nineties, Radio One had a lot of spoken word strand. And I know that now the idea is that you you uh, browse all over the internet and you find yeah. all these things for yourself. But there was like a sort of state-run youth channel yeah. saying... I've given you an option to hey, enjoy it. You know, it wasn't... It was saying, we're presenting these things to you. Yeah. It's not, you know... And they sort of come with a degree of legitimacy, I think. Um, and uh, I, I know that sounds a bit of sort of cop-out, like you're saying we need... We need uh, all the well-educated yeah. people at the BBC to be deciding to, for young to, people to, what to they should like. Us. But yeah, again, but, it's, you know, it's more... it's it's. It's making it an option. I yeah. I, 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 I went to um, a Catholic school right, growing right, up, yeah, but my yeah. parents weren't particularly religious, but they'd, they'd been brought up yeah. Catholic, and they felt, whilst they didn't see it as the be-all and end-all, they felt I should have an option, I should yeah. learn about it, and yeah, decide. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I ended up not caring about it, yeah. but it was that option there. So it's yeah. kind of a similar thing in that way of, uh, rather than just appeasing the masses, there yeah. should be a level of here's this as well. You're you're welcome to like it or dislike yeah. it, but at least you're having the option because you're hearing about it and experiencing yeah. it. That doesn't seem like a very modern way of thinking, does it? it does you know? I mean, I mean, I agree with you about uh, about you know religious education schools. I think that should, everything should be on display. Yeah, you know, and not um, and not compartmentalised up. And uh, 
But yeah, it doesn't seem... Everything now seems to be about almost like when you've bought something on Amazon and an algorithm is created that yeah. says, if you enjoyed this, why not try this? Would, yeah. I go, if you enjoyed this, how about this? It's got nothing to do with that whatsoever. Uh, it's completely uh, different. Have you ever seen anything that um, has been recommended in association with you that's that's greatly offended you? So say on Amazon, when they, if you well, like Stuart Lee, then you might also like... Okay, I think that the... Um, <laughs> I think that the sort of the amount of people that buy things of mine is too small right. to throw up <laughs> to massively throw up disparate things but right. I do notice it with other things like you know that American band Yola Tango yep, you know, there, yep, I remember yep. looking on Amazon and it said if you like them you may also enjoy the Beatles <laughs> sort of like really like a really broad the Beatles thing. has like, to be their just default their go to do you like sound the, yeah exactly <laughs> that, that must be a band like a Yola Tango they've not had anything they can really match actually it must be the default is it's music yeah therefore yeah, yeah. How about the Beatles? I know. Uh, did you ever do many shows w- with bands? As you said, you, you saw no, these well, comedians did, well, coming you know, through because it's it's yeah. got to be the toughest gig. I, oh, yeah. I'm I a big madness. fan of Neil Hamburger. Yeah, yeah. I saw Neil Hamburger a bit of that back bands. doing that yeah. with bands, and but yeah. his his character allows him to relish in how badly yeah. it goes. Which... Well, I saw Neil Hamburger go really badly opening for Tortoise, the yeah. uh, po- um, sort of jazzy post rock band about yeah. twenty years ago. Um, <laughs> look, I don't, th- and I saw um, what's his name from. Uh, Bob, um, not not Bob Odenkirk, the bloke he used to do the double act with. Oh, you know, he's really famous American comic. Anyway, they had him at All Tomorrow's Parties trying to open for Sleater Kinney, which, yeah. you know, no one was listening. I mean, it's impossible. I, I opened for, at the request of the Birmingham post-punk band The Nightingales when they reformed in 2002, I opened for them in London because they used to use Ted a lot. Right. And he was at Eid Retired. And, yeah. um and you know that was okay. I sort of did a tribute to Ted, Ted Chippington type yeah. act, really. But no, it's re- it was really it's really difficult. Um, uh, but but I think it's difficult now because people see can see comedy anyway wherever they want. But in the early eighties, it was amazing to see. Yeah. So I think people got a slightly easier ride because um, they uh, the audience weren't jaded. They couldn't go and look yeah, at it on YouTube, exactly. and there wasn't stand-up showcases on Channel Four. And also, there was this kind of thing in like immediate post-punk of right people would put on really you know awkward things together yeah. to see what happened. You know, like they would they would tour with um, you know like punk bands would go on tour with a reggae band yeah, to see yeah, what yeah. Would, you know yeah. to see you know hey I have this then it wouldn't necessarily or, or, be. Or, or, Don Letts and many of the yeah. reggae influences on it, it basically spawns scar. So yeah, it's kind yeah, of those yeah. those those amalgamations well, at the time of, of putting these outsider arcs essentially together. together. Yeah, you know there was a sort of jumbled up kind of thing then, and even like even in the nasty sort of oi world of slightly dodgy right wing uh, uh, street punk bands, they were often they'd have sort of po- ranting poets on and things yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. even, even that audience sort of expected to. But yeah, that variety. Yeah, I remember, you know, it was a good. It was a good I remember dinner. when I started off doing spoken word, yeah. and I had no idea. Again, I I, I came into London. I've, mm. I've I've lived in Essex my whole life. I came in and I went to two nights, and the first night was um, at Rada, and it was incredibly posh, educated spoken yeah, word yeah. people. And I was just watching. I wasn't performing yet, and I was yeah, like, yeah. "Oh God, this is unbearable. This yeah, isn't yeah. F- for me." And then the, the next one I went to was upstairs in a pub in East London. And it was just all old punks, and yeah. it was all as if you know, if Thatcher had just been. No, they're all still mad at Thatcher. And I went, I went to both of them. I was like, 
I don't know which one I was most uncomfortable in because even that where I felt more at home just because it wasn't posh people it was still like God, come on, yeah. come on, guys, we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, loads of people like that. I mean, that was about. the thing when I started on the circuit. There was still th- those kind of people would often you'd be on the same sorts of yeah, bills, you yeah. know, like Jules. It was a uh, uh, something to do with New Model Army, a sort of female punk ranting poet, and um, uh, you know, there were lots of them sorts of people about on the on the uh, still on the on our bills. You know, yeah. it's all mixed up. Oh, it's funny. Do you ever craft your show to? Um allow for 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 that awkwardness you spoke of of when comedians play with bands or that that uncomfortableness well, I, you know I, I i i like right um if, if you went to a play or a film you know you'd expect there to be some kind of drama you yeah. know you'd expect the people to be put in jeopardy yeah, yeah, and completely. for something to be resolved right and so i do in the longer shows, and even in trying to write a tight half hour, I like to create a suspicion or a feeling that there's something at stake and that I'm up against it, yeah. or that or that the audience are at fault in some way to create yeah, some yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. tension. It's harder to do that now because more more people, most of the people that come to see me, they probably like me already. Yeah, you know, yeah, so it's harder yeah. to. But I did actually at Robin's show. Yeah. I did this thing that I've been That's doing That's one lately. that came to mind instantly. Yeah, well, you know what? That crap, really. And I've been doing that on my own shows, this bit where I pretend that I can't get it to work and that I blame them for comedians committing suicide and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that in my own show and the audience know that they might be caught up in the moment and be frightened or embarrassed, but they know that I'm controlling it. Yeah. Whereas I looked on Twitter after Robin's show, which is a much more diverse crowd, yeah. and people seemed genuinely offended that a comedian had come on yeah. And had a kind of mental breakdown and yeah. blamed them for. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I remember half the room were laughing. I don't remember yeah. going badly. Yeah. But there were people in there that their their expectations of stand up is so low. Yeah. If you sort of act something, they think you've actually well, gone that was mad. The, the, you know the beauty of it, and it, it's what I I really enjoyed about that piece was the boldness to go to the point where I think even some people who knew you were yeah. thinking, "Is this actually going?" For, you know, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is is this? And that's yeah. that's kind of. But it did come good, back, good, back yeah, completely, sort of, exactly. Yeah, as yeah. soon as it was brought, as I, I said earlier about the weaving thing through, yeah, as soon I mean, as you yeah. weave back round to the, yeah. the, the the initial premise you'd set up yeah, at the yeah, start, yeah. it was it made that you, tension you, you know, all the more. You hilarious. say it was obvious because you weaved it round to the original premise. Yeah, but presumably there's people in that room I didn't who thought really, that, yeah. that, that that had happened. The other thing I saw something the other week, right, that explained this to me totally, and I wish to God I'd thought of it, but I didn't. It's someone else's idea. Yeah. My little boy likes Jackie Chan, right? Right. And Jackie Chan's really funny. I never realised. Yeah. I know that um, Ken Campbell, a sort of 70s experimental comedy guru, who was a big influence on Nina Conti, actually. He was. Yeah. I know he loved Jackie Chan. But I watched this documentary online about Jackie Chan with my son. And um, Jackie Chan said a number of brilliant things about comedy. Yeah. And fighting, actually, which is which is similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he's so good at fighting, right? He can fight really well. Yeah. So when he does fights, he's always got to put himself at a disadvantage in some way yeah. to make the audience make it, buy into yeah. it. So he's got one film where he's drunk all the time, drunken master. Yeah. He's got another film where he always seems to be carrying this stepladder and he's yeah. got to like deal with it to do the fights. He's got another one where he's tied up or you know yeah or he starts from he, he's oh he's one where he's naked right. and in between every 
kick, he has to turn his back to the camera. Brilliant. He turns with his back to the camera, so yeah. you only see his bum. Yeah. And not, it's like, really brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I thought, yeah, he's he's right because actually, you you buy into the struggle, right? Whereas Jackie Chan's such a brilliant. F- kung Fu fire or whatever yeah. it is, I don't know. I've probably really offended the martial <laughs> arts community. There. It's not Kung Fu. It's like, why is that? But anyway, he, he, he could just knock all those blokes out anyway. So, yeah, and be done with it. But to, to enjoy it, yeah, he has to put himself at a disadvantage. Yeah. And I kind of think, you know, I do sort of know what I'm doing in stand-up. I can do it properly. But yeah. if, you, if you can build in some problem, like what the comedian Stuart Lee really wants to talk about is something else but he can't because he's obsessed with this one thing yeah. or he wants to talk about a particular thing but he doesn't have any confidence in the audience's ability yeah. or he wants to talk about one particular thing but he keeps getting sad about his life or something yeah. you've got to build in some if you can build in some little drama like that then there's something at stake yeah. you know yeah. the other thing he said that was brilliant which is not really relevant to this but he said Americans can't direct fights and he said all the films he's made with American directors are rubbish. Yeah. And the ones he directs himself of Asian cinema are great. And you look at it, and it's in his own films. To cover a fight, he has two locked-off still camera positions. Yeah. So all the action happens in real time in each shot. So yeah. you see the kick and the bloke fall down and roll off the building and fall through the awnings. Yeah. The American style of direction is to cut to another exciting angle on every point of impact, yeah. which therefore gives the idea that the thing is a composite made of edits, yeah. right? Yeah. And at the risk of saying, I'm as good as Jackie Chan and I'm not, that is what I've always tried to do when filming stand-up. I never cut away on the laugh. Right. And I, I keep in a wide, and if you see someone laughing, they're in the same shot as the joke. Yeah. Right, because I don't want it to... I don't want to... The audience. I want the tight, the pauses to happen in real time, the laughs to happen in real time, and for them yeah. to understand they were watching a real thing, yeah. not an assemblage of yeah. highlights snipped together. And that's what so I absolutely hate. It draws you hate. in more to yeah. take take that experience and react naturally yeah. rather than yeah. laugh and then oh I've got to stop laughing now because we're on to the next bit. Kind yeah. of take it in. And yet in you still itself. get people going on. Oh, no one's really laughing at that. He's made it up. There isn't even an edit point where I could have done that. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's but, impossible. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's to sort of to sort of um, try and create a little flavour of a theatrical drama within a stand-up set yeah. to sort of some story has to be resolved or whatever but the thing about writing the half hours for the telly they're like sitcoms writing the two hour touring shows they're like a film at the end of a film the lead character can have died yeah. he can have completely changed he can have become a born again Christian he can have like got divorced or whatever you can do something over two hours yeah, in the half hour like I said it's like a episode of Seinfeld I've got to be back to the initial position at the end of it because yeah. he's got to do another half hour so next week he can't allow week. too much to he have happened too much. So he can have something yeah. but he's got to look like he could reassemble himself yeah. um by the end of it, so there's a slightly week. different feel to it. But yeah. Um, yeah, do you do you get to do you feel when you're oh, kind of telling those 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 fictions and stories and building that drama? Do you feel that's also an opportunity to say some some kind of make some serious points that maybe not would not have gone across so well if it wasn't within that? I, sh- yeah. I should explain yeah. that a, a lot mean, better. So, yeah. like, there was points like. In the one at Robin's thing, where you're talking about how, um, and I've seen in 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 a few of your different sets, kind of speaking how the audience need to up their game a little bit, and yeah. they're, if they're yeah. not laughing at this, then they're not they're not thinking hard yeah. enough. And yeah. it was I liked it at Robin's one where you kind of talk about how you've gone out there and got drunk before a night out when 
you as an audience member have a role and responsibility as yeah, well yeah, you yeah. need to be paying attention <laughs> and getting this right and it's kind of all it then comes around to obviously be a joke but I yeah. thought there was a lot of genuine well, do, really good yeah, nice stuff in there of like well, come know. on this yeah, is, well, this like, you is know, a performance okay this is a good you know you, you get this as well all performers get it and I didn't used to think this was the case in fact I've been very rude to people about this idea and argued with people about it that you know you, you should be yourself if you're a comic and you know but actually I think now uh, the the version of me on stage is more confident than me he's ruder than me he, he holds his ideas with much more conviction than me I've yeah. had a lot of that knocked out of yeah, me yeah. you know and so he's able to blame the audience for not for not being sober enough to appreciate him or yeah. not, you know and so I sort of do things with him that I perhaps would like to do or may have thought once but would now um, you know rein myself in a bit on yeah, and, you yeah. know, and, and, and so I, you know it is to some extent a, a construct now yeah, and, um, I know, and I'd and I, you know you would love wouldn't you you'd love to, obviously it's not the audience's fault if things don't work <laughs> but you know the ar- arrogant, delusional person <laughs> blames them. And we know, were both so. involved in this, so if it was a bad show, yeah, yeah. you were, you were yeah, partly, yeah, not only to blame, yeah. but you were yeah. partly to blame. But, I, you know, <laughs> I sort of... I, again, I think... I've learned to live with it, but people do seem to think it's for real. And, I mean, I got this review in The Telegraph that was... I don't really mind about reviews when they're bad, but this one, I thought it was... You know, potentially quite damaging to my career. Right. And I have got kids, yeah. you know, and I, I would like to carry on working. Yeah. The Telegraph guy gave an unstarred review to the tour before last, saying that I had absolute contempt for an audience and needed to understand that people had paid money, you know, yeah. and then they had to earn work to earn that money, yeah. and um, that it was toxic and unedifying. And I, that night, it went really well. Like, it really <laughs> yeah, did, yeah. you know. And, and I worked really hard to give the impression that I despised the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that I didn't want to do the show. Yeah. But it got loads of laughs yeah, all the way yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. And I was sort of playing that part. And I think, isn't that just, like, it, why did you not... Like, why would I even be doing the job if yeah. I felt like that? I'd do something else. Wouldn't I? It's yeah. actually really... It's quite hard to maintain that yeah, level of hostility. Yeah, yeah exactly. For two hours, it's sort of it, quite a hard space to get into. It, and then, then he was sent sent back about two weeks later, obviously, to review it again. And yeah. he give it four stars. It was the same thing. Exactly the same, same sorts yeah. of things happened. I don't really understand why someone would do that, you know. And, is, and it's is, still the first thing on Google, you know. Is it tough? or I, 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 It's got to be tough. But is it hard to take in when um, people... <laughs> don't get that something is f- very funny. Um, and I, I can't explain it because I can't, I can't remember who it was. There was a comedian, it, it might have been Andy Jezelnik or someone who kind of started at one or at one point in the set was saying, look, the fact is I've been in comedy a long time. I'm a comedian. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. better than you that this is funny. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're, you're just an audience. You probably see, you've seen a few bits of comedy. Yeah. You might not realise, but yeah. this is... I can guarantee you that this yeah. is very, very funny. Yeah. And kind of, do you kind of I've have that at like all? That. Yeah, where they are sort of saying to them, you know, I've seen thousands of shows, yeah. right? And you see like two I'm probably quoting your own bit yeah, there yeah, and not yeah. realising. So, yeah, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, so it's sort of... Well, look, okay... If I wasn't able to say that on stage as this person, I yeah. would find that frustrating. Yeah. 
But actually, I don't find it frustrating now because it because you take you all these problems yeah. and you make them into a thing. So, yeah, you know, we all know, don't we, in every area of uh, performance, writing, music, whatever, like there's there's things that people that do it for the people that do it get. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the things that the public like. The goal of, of making the comedians and in the back not, of the room laugh well, that's an versus Bruce, making like, you know, the like, audience laugh. Uh, Lenny Bruce's biographer, first part, Nat, Nat Hentoff said of Lenny Bruce, he could always make the band laugh. Yeah, yeah, And he yeah, meant yeah. that as a compliment. Because yeah. the band in those clubs were there 18 it's, shows a week. It's one right? of the things that, so, as, as, the as, band a, as a touring the... artist, we, uh, me and Dan were <laughs> yeah. always are really proud, and it's a strange claim, but we've always been... The crew's favourite. So in each yeah, venue, we'll yeah. have the. I, I will either have a security guard or crew. Someone yeah. go. I really enjoyed that, mate. And it's like yeah. that meant a lot yeah. to us because yeah. they've seen said, it. All. They've seen it all. They see yeah. it every night. So you sort of, you know, and the public. I know there's probably some of them listening, <laughs> but they don't, see, they don't see as much stuff as we do. They're not qualified so they to know how good you know, it is. So for, so the, <laughs> you kind of, you, the, you know, the thing about the the character of Beyonce, she can tell them that. Yeah. And so I don't find it frustrating. I find it funny. And actually, all problems. Most problems, I think, you can absorb them, like what they call glitch, you yeah. know, sort of build it in. And I kind of think, right now, I think, right, if something's not working, right, do it more or try and make that yeah. the thing, you know. Yeah. Like uh, Link Ray's guitar sound was supposed to come out of a broken amp, wasn't it? You know, right. you didn't know, sort of things like that. Yeah. You don't yeah. you think, well... What if you just did carried on doing that? Yeah, so I always like. Yeah. I heard a podcast with at a Tom Morello from a Rage Against yeah, the Machine yeah, yeah, and numerous yeah. other things the other day, and he's obviously a huge guitarist. He, he's, he's now guitarist in Springsteen's band, which is I think he? is just the most amazing well, thing in the world. Isn't it? It's yeah, crazy, yeah, yeah, but he's yeah. again, he he, he yeah. loves it, and he gets a lot of guitar nerds asking him about what guitar he uses, yeah. what sound, and he says, "I can't answer them because when he." had enough to buy an amp he bought this amp he thought was going to be amazing yeah. and it it wasn't so he tuned it or turned all the knobs to the best sound he could get yeah. and he's left them there ever since and that's been his now iconic sound right, that everyone's right. like how do you discover yeah, it's yeah. like it's I just worked with what I had yeah. rather than spending years changing guitars and changing amps and doing yeah. all these different combinations he went here's what I've got let's g- get it to the best yeah. I can and then make that good rather than yeah well again you know, again I d- I, this is sort of worry about the modern world is that on on some level for years artists have had a sort of make do and mend thing whereby they've what has become their signature whether it's in visual arts or a guitar pedal setting or whatever has been a result of trial and error of working with materials now i expect there is probably a preset that you can buy an app for to feed into a studio called tom morello's guitar sound exactly you know and and that's sort of and I know that um, there's there's you know programs you can buy that give you will, will process your recording to give the the feel of what it would have sounded like were it recorded in the dimensions of Sun Studios. Yeah, or, and yeah. I kind of think you know I don't really engage with a lot of technology in my work, and um, partly why I don't is because I like having to problem solve because I think by doing that you find you sometimes have accidents happen and I'm sure a technologically adept person will tell me that can happen with programming as well and I'm sure it does and I know that there's lots of great music lately that's happened because a bit of software did something someone wasn't expecting it to or whatever but in my brain I like I like 
to print things out and look at what's on the paper and cut bits the out variables and move it around. And the problems. And I like the yeah, I like the uh, problems. I mean, one interesting thing that's happened to me lately is I've, I, I mean, I knew this was happening, but I got, I got diagnosed about eighteen months ago as deaf enough to need hearing aids. Wow! And um, I've started, and I started wearing them on stage in August, um, which has been. I didn't know whether to or not. Yeah. Um, because when I first started wearing them on stage, I realised that I've got quite, without realising it, I've got quite a lot of mileage out of not really being able to hear what's going on in a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, my, my, my experience of the Edinburgh Fringe, it blew me away because <clears throat> the way we had the lights set up by chance on the first night meant I couldn't see anyone at all. Yeah. And... I think that the show really benefited from that because there was it was that I was then just honing this this body of work yeah. and the reactions were there audibly but yeah. I was honing this this body of work in the same you know few meters space night after night not yeah. having to see oh there's that person or there's this yeah, person yeah. or you know and I found that to be a good thing well, so, why, why so how are you finding the, the that now, well, the addition of hearing well, people done, you know I, I never do like snappy put downs to hecklers yeah. And it becomes a sort of signature thing. Again, it's partly learned from Ted Chippington, but someone would go, ah, and I wouldn't really hear it. I'd go, sorry, what? And, I, and I would, then I would, it would take me such a long time to work out what they'd said yeah. that the moment had really passed yeah. and the thing they said <laughs> no longer seemed worth saying. Yeah. So I would then treat it as if it were a genuine inquiry. Yeah. Quite a long discussion with the person about why they'd said, why don't you F off or whatever. Yeah, 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 and that, yeah. and, but that really came out of not being able to respond quickly in the moment. Yeah. So now the hearing age is really weird because... The rooms, you know, it's like it's like being on LSD yeah. on stage. Like, yeah. It's sort of I feel like when Jack Nicholson's turns into a werewolf in that film, and he can smell all the, you know, so yeah. then it, and and I can hear uh, air conditioning and refrigerators. Oh, and wow. in Edinburgh, I could hear things on the other side of the road, like trams and bikes. That's and, crazy. It's absolutely bizarre. And I and I and I but. That must so, be distracting to have that all of a sudden having. Well, it's it's um having gradually lost that essentially. Yeah, I, to, well, it happened incrementally, presumably. Yeah. yeah, but then, but then, the other thing is, I can, I got, I get the hearing aids out and talk about, you know, how I constructed this persona based around not being able to hear audiences, and <laughs> now what do I do? You know, so it's kind of yeah. take the thing on. It's something, yeah. something to do. And I mean, another thing is like. You know, I mean, I'd rather be two stone lighter, but at least it's not like the 90s when we were young, when comedy was a new rock and roll and you were supposed to be like a sort of pop star or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so, it sort of means you, you can't, you can't go and be like Russell Howard in his trousers, you know. Yeah. You have to be, you have to make the material count. Because yeah, you've got yeah. no, you can't just dance around. You can't rely and sort on, of the, <laughs> like on, on, really on like the youth and prettiness. <laughs> no, yeah. So it's sort of all those things you can kind of absorb them. And actually, even the like, you know, you must know this. You know, one of the problems with being your own boss is yeah. what do you want to write about today? Oh, yeah. God, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the blanks, blank page is terrifying. But actually. 
the contraction of my life, sort of physically and in terms of relationships and funny responsibilities, actually narrows the field in a way. Like it means that if a, th- a little thing comes up, I've got to make that work because that's sort yeah. of yeah, completely all I know about. Yeah. You know, whereas actually, ten years ago, before that happened, I sort of I look at some of the things I wrote about and they look like someone with too much time on their hands. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I don't know. Do you think that's? Uh, I mean, it, it's. It's kind of it's it's been interesting to, to hear you kind of say that it's gradually become a character on on yeah, stage. Yeah. Do, do you think that's because of the kind of in 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 your youth or in the the, the earlier years at least? Obviously, you've got more to kind of be angry about or be passionate yeah. about in that respect. I've always found I've I've said this too many times on the podcast now, but that weird thing of being a writer or a spoken word artist or whatever is when the sad things happen in life. They've they've they're all heightened and dramatic, but just before I'm falling asleep, I have that slight thought of, I can get a song out of this, I yeah. can get a song or, or two out of this, and it's kind yeah. of, it's a fascinating thing, but then when, <clears throat> now that kind of, it's kind of late in your career that you're you're getting even bigger and, and, and bigger, it kind oh. of seems to be coming together at this point, yeah, so yeah. it must be hard, then you've not got so many things that you've, to, as you said, to be angry yeah, about, yeah, so yeah. that kind of, as you, as you said, the character has to be, more angry than yeah, you he are to, in real he, I mean, life he's still cause... got he's still got you know what uh, what from, from my sort of mid teens to my mid 30s I was a sort of absolutist about lots of political things yeah. or whatever yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm sort of not anymore but but um uh and it's harder to be because you uh as a parent you're responsible for other people as well you can't yeah. necessarily hold them Hostage to your yeah, ideas, to your, but yeah, you know, but um, uh, but that I'm, I'm really glad that I've had that. I had the luxury of being able to operate as that person for that long because yeah. that's still the person on stage. He still yeah. he still feels like that about a lot. Yeah. You know, he's got that sort of sense. Um, the, the other thing, you know, is that in in a way, as a parent, you still get annoyed. And as an old, but because you're annoyed about the world that's being left for your children, rather yeah. than you. So, you know, um, and also like this thing that's happened yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know when this will go out, but yesterday was the shootings of these cartoonists in, in Paris. Yeah. Is there's all sorts of, you know, geopolitical things that come off the back of that. Yeah. That you might want to talk about, but actually, what gets you now? As the start point for me on that, if I ever write about it, will be that those men, they look like the same as me, yeah. and you know, they're it's and they seem about my age. Well, the one guy is. I mean, they look they look like people we would know on the. Yeah, they yeah, look like completely. people we would know on the circuit. That's yeah, the weird yeah, thing. They're not. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, not exactly. like the 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 uh, satire establishment here yeah. who were all at school with. Um, and that's the it. Tories. They the look, reality is that the stuff that they've. That, that has caused this is stuff that you could hear on the yeah. circuit that would be said on the circuit. I mean, they know? look like the, they look like the Viz blokes. Yeah, you know, they look like, and um, so you know, I, 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 I get much since having kids, I get much more upset about things as well because I, I think because you have emotional contact with people, you yeah. know, you get. I mean, that that thing yesterday is like, uh, you know, I find it I find the thinking about the people involved incredibly. Uh, traumatic, and it's something about 
knowing, suddenly thinking about what it would be like to lose someone as well, which yeah, you don't yeah. really feel the same way about when you're younger, I think. No. And that's not to say it isn't traumatising, but it does, you know, it, it does. So, you know, you do find different ways into things, but it's also funny what you're saying. You know, the last moment before you go to bed, you think, yeah. oh, maybe there's something in this. Yeah. I mean, it is a sick thing sometimes that, you know, something <laughs> something bad it's will happen bizarre, to you and it? you think, well... <laughs> I mean, yeah. How can I talk about How this? How can this turn? But it, I mean, it's, it's, I genuinely think it's a fascinating thing. People, I, I, I argued with a lot of people on on online when um, when Nelson Mandela died because obviously it was a huge tragedy. Yeah, and I just yeah. did a post, and I wasn't joking at all, or trying to be yeah, contri- yeah. or trying yeah. to be con- controversial. Was that I was just saying how weird it must be for everyone involved in the Mandela f- film because they will have, particularly the research they think in that time, will have either got to know him w- whether that directly or indirectly yeah, but yeah. it would have been a huge part of their life yeah. this person that had meant the world to them for this long has just died but equally they're also going to know that their film is going to do far better and be far more profitable because yeah. of the timing of it. It yeah. came out just as he yeah, as yeah. he died so I was just saying that that must be such a bizarre oh, yeah. feeling and, yeah, yeah. and, and conflict because you will be sad but there will be a bit of you going, well, we're going to double our viewing figures. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I didn't, I don't think that's an insane thing. I just think it's yeah. a fascinating part of the human psyche yeah. that those, well, those I mean, things are there. I I um, hope that there's still enough of a market for physical media and downloads that I, I can die in time for my children to benefit, <laughs> to benefit from the from upsurge in sales that yeah. that will bring about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope, it's not, I hope we don't just live in a world of entirely free content. Yeah. I'd like to be able to see a return. A on, return um, on your on your yeah. passing. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're kind of over the hour mark, so we'll start, right. start to round it I'm up right, Phil. beautifully I'm there. All right till one. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. Um, yeah. I wanted to kind of talk about what the plan is for the future, other than dying before digital yeah. media has completely <laughs> taken over. Because um, the, the reason um, I find it exciting is the thing that has blown up for you has been the TV show or the thing yeah. that really seems to have taken off and the thing that I find beautiful about that is the TV show is essentially doing what you've always been doing and, yeah. and it's so rare people seem to even a lot of the greats in stand-up stand-up seems to be a stepping stone rather than here's here's what I want to yeah. do and there's few examples of people having a, a, you know a, a higher level car- long yeah. career rather than they have their career and then they get into acting or they write a film or they write a TV show or things like that. So Well, you, you know, you, you do what you can cope with and a lot of things in people's lives that look like moral or artistic choices are just about what you can cope with. I'm not very good at ceding responsibility for things. I'm not very yeah. good at um, cooperating, you know, and I'm... And I'm I, so, I, so, so one man stand-up is, is yeah. made and I, you know, you. And, perfect, and, right? and, and also, you know... I mean, in the past, you know, I had developed other projects, but all those other projects, like Jay Springer the Opera, you know, we worked mm. on that. Richard Thomas, the composer, it was his. We worked on it sort of unpaid for kind of three years, and then when it finally did get a commercial into a commercial space, you know, we couldn't really get paid for it anyway. But I, but I couldn't. I would never have the time or freedom financially to, to work for months on something for yeah. nothing, years for nothing now, because yeah. I've got the kids, you know, and I have to juggle things around with the wife and everything. 
thing about stand-up, you can get on with it at your own pace, kind of quietly. If you have an idea, you will eventually be able to do it somewhere because yeah. all you need is a mic and a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a room. Yeah. You know, there's no... So it's it's overhead. It's free of overheads. Yeah. There's, and also, when I, when I was lucky enough to get asked to work on the opera, this is 15 years ago now, yeah. 2001... After like 12, 13 years of doing stand up, I thought, at last, you know, a big canvas. And if I want to see things flying, yeah. I can do that and yeah, yeah, yeah. fire coming up out of the ground. Yeah. And, then, and, and I think essentially the writing for, for other people must have been nice because if I want yeah. to see fire coming up out the ground, but I don't really want fire it's coming like up out the ground me, at me, me yeah, yeah. then well, I can make that. Happen. In a hole, yeah. you know. So he did all that. And then, of course, at the end of it, we, could, we got in loads of trouble for it. It couldn't get paid, you know. Yeah. Then I thought, and, and also, if you did want to make a change to something, the machinery of a big show was so vast, you know, you'd, you'd got the band of 10 people, cast 40, everyone would have to be oh, cut yeah. in, you know, it was really difficult to, yeah. even a line change would have repercussions around. Then I thought, well, stand up, you know, plus the fact that I, I, I would get, I've got paid more doing 50 people in a pub than I would have done for the show in a West yeah, End theatre, because... Yeah the overheads and the debt and everything. And I thought, you can just say it. You can just describe the thing. And yeah, then, then yeah, I thought, exactly. actually, there's, I suddenly thought, there's nothing I can't do in stand-up. That I, d- I don't need to do it in a play or... Because mm. I can make... I can have sad bits, happy bits. I can have stories. I can do, act out other people's voices if I want to be pretending to have a yeah, dialogue yeah, yeah, with yeah, someone. Yeah. I can make it like a little story. And sort of the long-form shows... I like little plays, really, in a way. They have a similar plot. The the comedian, Stuart Lee, is trying to... He is a comedian, that's his job. Yeah. And he's trying to do his job. Yeah. He's trying to come out and do a show. Yeah. For some reason, he ends up having some difficulty with that. Right. Either due to, due to becoming annoyed about something, being obsessed with some other idea, having a mental breakdown about his own death or whatever. Yeah. Different things happen, but, it, you know... There's a reason for him to be on stage, which yeah. is he's trying to do a show, but yeah. he sort of ends up doing something else yeah. normally. Um, so, and I don't think that's over at all. I no. don't think it's. I know you can put, you can put music in it if you want. You don't have to. If you keep the music simple, you and one other person, that's not going to break the bank. You can yeah. do that. Um, you could you know have a little bit of a set if you want. You don't have to. I mean, most stand-up sets. That's just their name written in big yeah, polythene yeah, letters, yeah, exactly. isn't it? Whereas exactly. when I've had a set, it's got some kind of relationship some with the, to, you know. Yeah. So if you can get all the set in the same van as you drive around in as well, yeah. brilliant, you know. So the, I go for meetings with theatres or film people or telly people. You know, there's no nothing is offers me more fr- creative freedom. Yeah. And actually, nothing makes as much sense cost-effectively either. Yeah, it's weird. In a way, you know, it's, it's it's the restriction of essentially what yeah, you can yeah. do is what gives the freedom. We had yeah. Alan Moore on the podcast um, oh, yeah. months ago, and he was saying how the beauty of, of comics when they first came out was, particularly as it was before any CGI or anything yeah, like that, yeah. because that was the only format in which... You could have dragons yeah. flying yeah. and this and all, all these huge things because of that restriction of it being yeah. drawn on paper rather well, than... You know, I wouldn't say it to else. him, but I'll say it to you, that actually his way of thinking about that sort of problem solving has yeah. been very influential on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, 
uh, you know, as a as a creative thinker, I think he's um, brilliant, and yeah. and he's and I'm very feel very lucky to have got to meet him. In fact, he's he gave me the title for the new show. Oh, really? <laughs> a room with a stew. <laughs> he said to me, "All your titles are rubbish. They're just puns about your own name. Why don't you call it a room with a, a stew?" Room with and a I went, stew. "Oh, I will then." <laughs> yeah, so, really? but um, but you know, he 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 said this great thing once. Um, most of the questions that you need answers to do about what to do creatively yeah. and from the business side of creativity yeah. as well he's got the answer to yeah. which yeah. is don't do anything basically yeah. you know don't do what you know, do the thing that you want to do and don't make it so expensive it. that you lose money on it and don't sign the rights over to someone else yeah. so you know he said for example Alan Moore that people kept saying to him oh your comic's so good it could be a film yeah you know as if comics that's were the goal the go- uh, that was yeah. the goal and he said he didn't want it to be a film he wanted it to be a comic and if you look at Watchmen which he must be sick of people yeah. always talking about but the opening page of Watchmen is written and scripted and directed by a man who has really really thought about what that medium does yeah, yeah. right and he spent his whole life thinking about that and it is a comic right and yeah. it is the best comic of its type yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right it is not a comic like that's auditioning to be a film, no. right? It is using how a sequence of drawn images works, and it uses that. It's much better than the film of Watchmen because you don't see what happens between each picture. Yeah. You have to fill it in in your imagination. Yeah. In the film, it's made explicit. Yeah. It doesn't involve you and, as much. I it's mean, not as good. The, you know, the beauty of the, of the Watchmen as well was. I mean, I'm controversially enjoyed the film too but the, yeah. the beauty of the comic was he, he he made something that couldn't be completely accurately turned into a film yeah. because of the the pages of file notes and yeah. stuff like that he, again it's that true understanding of this is the medium this is the yeah. beginning and end of it it's the same with um i'm i'm far more of a fan of spoken word than written poetry but i understand that the medium of written poetry there's so thing. much that can be done that can't be done yeah, in spoken yeah. word because of the structures well, and, and vice the, versa yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. And that's kind of it's that embracing yeah. the medium you're in, I guess. Well, no, so when people say, what I got off Alan Moore for that is that actually, I think people feel about stand-up comedy the same way they feel about comics. It's a bit of a low art form. Yeah. And wouldn't it be great if you could get to do theatre? And wouldn't it be great if you poor little comics writing idiot could get to do film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This film's brilliant, isn't it? There's yeah. some fantastic films. There's Night of the Museum Three. It's such There's, an illusion, um, isn't it? It's that weird. You know, yeah. like the film. I think the average film is much worse than the average comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, the yeah. average comedian, in the worst highlights on a Friday night, yeah. is better at their job than a lot of actors, yeah. right? Because they have to be, because they're yeah. going to be caught out. So I don't see it as a promotion yeah. to be told, would you like to write a film, would you like to come do theatre? Because yeah. I can do all those things in... All the things that would be... I can do them in stand-up, and I can do them with more urgency and drama, yeah. and I and I can use get people to listen to the words and yeah. think about ideas themselves and not have to spoon-feed them. And there yeah, won't be completely. soundtrack music underneath telling them what a feeling they're supposed How to have. How you to oh, like that. Coldplay yeah. or... Yeah, or, I know. Or, yeah, Johnny know. Cash so, hurt. So <laughs> I will, I, my ambition is to do nothing except this yeah. and then die. Perfect. Right. And, 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 I, and again, once you've decided that, you don't have to worry about yeah. all these other things. I, I, I love 
the idea of, of looking at it as as a as a play on stage. But yeah. now I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I think after I said it, even if you don't want to, you're gonna have to start. It's gonna niggle on you. But I love the idea of I think you should start the play earlier. So yeah. I think there should be some kind of role going on in the dressing room that yeah. no one else ever sees. But it's yeah. part of that story that's been told every well, day. He's yeah. having to, to to go through it right. <laughs> you know, yeah, some well, some drama happening before you go on stage that yeah. is part of the whole performance, but, only but you know it's only it. for you. Only yeah. your only your character w- w- will have seen that. Therefore, yeah. Well, I think that, that, you know that that sounds pretentious, but also it would would make sense, wouldn't it? Because like you think, yeah. well, why you know why is he like that? Something's yeah. obviously just happened. Yeah. Yeah, and again, there's a, really a lot there where idea. if you it's it it comes across again. This is annoying because I've recorded next week's podcast first, yeah. but we've got a guy Ariz Ahmed on. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he talked about how when he's in in Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal, one yeah. of the things that Jake Gyllenhaal did was starve himself, right. and that wasn't essential to the character or wasn't written into the character. But his his fault was that character was hungry f- for this attention and hungry for success. And he felt that starving himself and having actual physical hunger would get the hunger across in his eyes, yeah, would get yeah. the hunger across in his demeanour and, yeah. and all that. And that's amazing because it's, it's true. It comes like you watch that film and you can't help but know that this guy's craving this attention and craving everything. In reality, he cheated it a bit because he was actually just quite hungry. Do you, <laughs> so know, that great, do you know that great? There's an actor's anecdote, though, about um, uh, Dustin Hoffman in Marathon Man. With right. uh, Laurence Olivier. Yeah. Laurence Olivier plays an old yeah. Nazi guy that we, survived. We discussed this exact, this exact story. In, exact story in next week's podcast. Says, you could, so you, you can hear the rest okay, of this. I'm not, you I'll can hear the, the rest I'll of that story. I'll leave Riz Ahmed to say <laughs> yeah. it next week. You can hear the rest of the story next week. Definitely. But yeah, I mean, there is... Um, <laughs> well, that's the weird thing. Okay, <laughs> I think bizarre. what you're talking about is... And you, again, you'll get this in a lyric, right? Yeah. Okay, if you're performing something that's personal to you, right... You you might you, you the first few times you do it, you, you'll still be telling the story for real. Yeah, and it will touch you, and if it's a thing that has touched you, it will touch you again as you yeah. tell it. Even on stage in front of people, yeah, the real feeling of your emotion will get through those nerves. Then, if you do it fifty times, a hundred. That's the problem I have now. The tours are longer. I'd send more time running the material in things that have meant something to me. They inevitably become a, s- a series distant. of sounds you make yeah, and you, or, or with your so body. So then you've either got to, or to be honest, you don't want to put yourself in that position every yeah. night because it's no, no, right. No, the no. show I wrote in two thousand and five was a sort of was called Night's Comedian. It was a over the top sort of, uh, you know, surreal story based on what it felt like to be the subject of a religious ban. You know, yeah. which is what happened to the opera. And it was pretty upsetting to do, and you know, I was—I only did it about thirty, forty times, yeah. which is amazing to think now. But and I was glad when it was over because I didn't want to put myself through that every night. Yeah. Was now if I do write something like that, I know I'm going to have to do it a long time. So I have to—you have to do have to create some sort of distancing that means you can sort of put yourself yeah. into it, you know. And at the moment, I've got this bit about ghosts. It's that bit from that you saw, and I talk yeah. about ghosts, and I'm. I'm, I don't believe in an afterlife, but I have seen ghosts twice, and I don't believe they were real. I believe they were constructs of my own right. subconscious, conjured up to achieve some yeah, particular sense. result, right? But they were very real, and they were very upsetting to me, and they were of people that I knew who died. And at the moment, I think about them on stage, 
to do that bit. And it takes me out of the yeah. moment and it makes it feel very real to the audience, I think, because it's obviously real to me. And I, yeah. I managed to use those memories to trip myself out of where I am. The sad thing is, even though those experiences are very profound to me, they they will they won't work night after night for no. that. And I'll need to find a way of doing that bit yeah. with that. And it's like yeah. when you see people sing these songs that have meant... I mean, I like Echo and the Bunnymen, right? And I've seen them... They're still going, and I've seen them loads over the years. And that that song, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the Killing Moon, yeah. right, is a signature song for them. Yeah, and yeah, poor old Ian McCulloch, he must have had to sing it thousands of times. And I've seen him go through phases of... He seems to hate it, and he yeah. changes the words, and then it comes back into focus for him, and he, he'll do it again like he can. Yeah. You know, it's what you're going to do. You know, it's sort it's of such a weird. He must find, and uh, you know, you, you'll know exactly what I mean. So, yeah. in a way, you create this. You do have to create a character. I don't want yeah. to end up like Iggy Pop, who's clearly like yeah. <laughs> that's probably can't be anything to do with him. No, because yeah. if he was that person, he'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah but, completely. You know, he must just go home and relax and yeah, have a nice, yeah. a nice night. Home, like just fl- d- throw himself around his house, <laughs> breaking his head, and you know, <laughs> just have a load of carers and keepers <laughs> yeah, just to know, keep yeah. Iggy to usher yeah. him to stage. Well, that's perfect. Um, I think we'll kind of round it up there oh, if that's cheers. okay with you thanks uh, for talking to uh, me uh, where can people keep up with everything on you well I know um, you've I've got a website the um, website is stuartlee.co.uk and if you Perfect. go on there there's um, dates I mean I'm, I'm, I'm in London until the end of January then I'm I'm on tour everywhere that it is cost effective to go that will have me <laughs> and two places where it isn't cost effective to go but Perfect. I'm going anyway um, to, to two moorland village halls I'm doing in uh, Dart, 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 in Dartmoor and uh, the North Yorkshire Moors um, and uh, if I'm not going to where you live between now and September it's because uh, all the theatres were owned by ATG so the deals were too expensive uh, for you to be able to afford to come or um, there wasn't anywhere so that's it yeah that's fair people are allowed to, to travel if they fancy it that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's yeah. a valid option yeah. well thank you very much thanks and, uh, a lot. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the next series oh, that's um, very kind of you yeah well of, you know yeah, it's coming together as well. but I mean who knows the world's so volatile at the moment you write something and you think god you know maybe be irrelevant in three months yeah, yeah. well you know that, that sounds as if we've ended on a, a really sad and miserable <laughs> note so let's, let's leave it there perfect thank you very much you've been listening to Scrooby's Picks there you have it. I was absolutely delighted to have that conversation with Stuart. Um, yeah, I, I do feel he's the best a British comedian, possibly. I don't know. I, I, I always say the best living British comedian, but I can't actually think of any I prefer um, dead or alive. <laughs> Even though there's some great comedians, I feel bad now because I've got a lot of friends who are comedians who are awesome and we've had a lot of great comedians on the podcast but yeah I think Stuart's amazing it was really good to have that chat he was just open and friendly and warm and I think it was a really good insight into all of his processes and all of that but um 
On to next week's podcast. As we mentioned towards the end of this week, and next week we have actor and musician Riz Ahmed, who I've known for years. He's a really good guy. He's a great spoken word artist. We're actually going to have some of his music on the show as well, so it's an exciting one uh, for that. Um, But, yeah, he's going to be on – he was in Four Lions, was the one that kind of – made a big name for him is also in shifty and uh, reluctant fundamentalist um and recently in nightcrawler which was one of the films of the year so we're going to be talking a lot about that about how it is to be a british actor working in the uk and and abroad how it is to be a muslim actor are working in or e- even just an actor with darker skin and the and the different problems that that has has, sh- has shown him and what he's had to how he's approached that so um it's a really interesting chat i really enjoyed it that's going to be n- n- next week and the best way to get that nice and quickly will be to subscribe um as i mentioned at the start of the show but i know people are reluctant to subscribe at the start of the show because you have to to move around and, and you've just pressed play on a podcast are you looking to relax and listen to it? But now we're at the end. If you could go to the show page on iTunes or on Acast or on any of these, it's not actually at the top of this this one you're listening to, you see. If you go actually into Distraction Pieces podcast, it will have a subscribe button. If you can press subscribe, I mean, also, if you'd like to rate or, um, or give reviews, I actually only f- found out how to see the reviews on iTunes the other day and was overwhelmed that there's loads of really nice reviews from you guys so i had a good good look through that so thank you very much and that all makes it a different as well it spreads the word i feel that a, a word of mouth is the best advertising um for things i like this particularly when they're free um we don't have the budgets to have adverts advertising this on the radio or or wherever else but if you've enjoyed any of these you telling someone that it's worth listening you know it's great i hear every week a lot of people who have never listened to podcasts before are listening to these um so it's great that there will be a lot of people who don't know what podcasts are or don't know how podcasts work um but you can recommend like for me it's it's been great seeing the killer mike the the russell brand and the full facts one and the, and the simon singh ones it seemed to be the four that get shared the most by people who are saying look you might not be familiar with this, but this is there's some important stuff being discussed here or some interesting stuff at the very least. Um, it's worth a look. So, yeah, thank you for supporting. I'm If you want to hit me up, I'm on at Scroobius Pipio on Twitter or facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip or youtube.com slash Scroobius Pip or at Scroobius Pipio on Instagram as well. And then I ended there with a bit of a hiccup. So that's the perfect way to end this week's podcast. Thank you for tuning in and see you next Wednesday on the Distraction Pieces podcast.